What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Uh, 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 welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you guys are well. I've been so busy um, just trying to nail the YouTube videos, trying to nail Instagram. Uh, we've foregone the the podcast, but a lot of you guys are into the podcast. A lot of you guys are, are big, big fans of the podcast, which I, I kind of asked a question on my YouTube channel yesterday, I think. Yeah, yesterday. Where do you follow me most? Like, do you follow me the podcast? Do you follow the Instagram? Do you follow the stories? Is it YouTube? Um, and a lot of people said the podcast, which is really, really good because I feel like a podcast, you you invest into someone, you invest into their personality, the way they talk, their tone, the information they give. So that was really nice to kind of get that affirmation from people that, that you're enjoying the podcast because we get a couple thousand views, a couple thousand listens, a couple thousand downloads on these Um which is more than enough to me to keep these going, uh, you know, very, very frequently. Um, so, yeah, guys, thank you very much for, for, for dropping that information out under the YouTube video. If you don't follow me on YouTube, Josh Bridgman Fitness. If you don't follow me on Instagram, Josh Bridgman. If you don't follow me on TikTok, it's also Josh Bridgman. Uh, I've got four and a half thousand followers and a video with 140,000 likes. It's absolutely ridiculous, of course. Um, but it is what it is. One thing I found with TikTok is that... Like, obviously, it's the thumbnail that you're clicking on, right? So I did some with my top off. Not well, One wasn't intentional, and then I thought, oh, this got loads of views, it's probably because my top off. Did the next one, uh, and they banned it. And that was it. No explanation what, and I was literally just dancing with my top off. No, like, thrusting or sexual movements like normal. It was literally just me doing some stupid dance. And they banned it, I appealed it, and they didn't let me know why. I then go on my feed, and I can just see a girl doing a bikini haul, and I'm like, you're fucked, TikTok. A girl doing a bikini and literally like little thong ones as well and i'm just like this is how how what? i'm literally just wearing a pair of joggers and that's it like it's that's more clothing than you'd wear at the beach than she would it's what it is isn't it guys i'm not too bothered um so guys i want to briefly talk about the, the petition that's going around there was a petition going around i got sent it from a few people um, a few clients as well and it was uh a petition to vote to get the gyms back open in phase one of reopening or something like that. And and I think a lot of people, I don't even think it was even phase one, I think it was just opening, literally. Like, let's open the gyms. And and it's very, it's, there's a couple sides to the story. Like, the first, first side is, I can't wait to get back to the gym. It's a mental solace for a lot of people. There's a psychological aspect of training that a lot of people rely on. Uh, now... Those who take it a little bit more seriously, uh, in terms of that 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 mental alleviation or that psychological alleviation, like people who only have the gym to live for, because that's a very real reality that we live in. That you know that a lot of these inner city places in London, you know Bethnal Green, uh, Muscle Works for one. Like I used to go there like, when I used to live in Bethnal Green, and I knew everyone in there at all times because they lived there. They were there the whole day. They were there from the moment they had their meals there. They came to have their lunch there and like they lived for the gym and now that got stripped away from them. So you can only imagine someone who's ha- who's been relying as the, on the gym for their social hub where their friendships are, where they have their meals, where they, you know, where they socialize, where they go train, where they where they exert their energy. You can imagine that the de- the detriment that not having a gym on them is going to be a lot bigger than someone who, who's like maybe say an office worker and then just going to the gym for 45 minutes is part of their day. So there's, there's aspects of this that you need to consider, right? So let's not condemn everyone for saying, let's sign the petition and get the gyms back. No, you're ignorant prick. We want to save lives. Like it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated than just saying, let's open the gyms because we all want to lift and we're all meatheads. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not the essence of what, 
what well, I believe that's not what the essence of what this petition should be about. It should be for those those people who need that psychological break in the gym. Um, but I think if we do step back, there is that reality that if we do open gyms, we are increasing the risk. We are increasing the risk of of spread of infection. We are uh, in, in, in infection, sorry, and we we are not necessarily doing our due diligence to help flatten the curve, reduce the spreadability, and keep the R naught number below one, and, and and all that jazz. Like so, it's very very difficult, and I think. There's been two sides to this. We've had the sides of, of a lot of people that said, yeah, we need the gyms open. We've had the side that says, don't be so ignorant. Let's not do that. And I think I think neat, largely, like 99.9% of people are not in the position to really argue about it because you don't know all the figures. You don't know all the facts. You don't know the spreadability of it. You don't know how long it stays on the surface. You don't know how long it stays incubated. You don't know how... You, don't, you might know some of these questions, but you don't know all the facts. You don't know the larger impact it's having on the economy, which might actually uh, put another pro towards opening it. You know, it maybe the effect on the economy is going to be catastrophic. It's going to be world-ending. We don't know. Uh, maybe uh, it's not as spreadable as we thought. There's a lot of theories going around that actually we've been bodging a lot of these deaths. And actually, one thing that I noted, and no, I'm, 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 I am impartial to a conspiracy theory. Like reading about it, it's very, very fascinating how multiple theories can fit one single idea and something that I kind of went down was the whole David Icke route for a little bit and, and there's a lot of shit that he says that's just it's just rubbish it doesn't make sense and, and it's not come to fruition and it doesn't seem like it's going to go that way but there are some things that he said that really kind of open your eyes and, and I did my own due diligence and I researched and in I think in April to May last year 2019 there were 1500 um, deaths from from lung cancer and I think it was like April the 18th or it was something like that. It was it was some specific day um, that was that this guy was talking about, just as an example. And I thought, you know what, it doesn't sound like like it's real. So he said that uh, fifteen hundred people died of lung cancer. Let's just take an arbitrary arbitrary month, uh, April on the eighteenth of April in two thousand nineteen. I can't remember the exact date, but this is the gist of it. Uh, fifteen hundred people died from lung cancer on the same day. Uh, and also to note that someone died of lung cancer nearly every single day in two thousand nineteen. Um, and, and it just so happened that no one died from lung cancer in April and all of them were put down to COVID. So I think it's very, very easy for for the government to inflate numbers. I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but it seems to be that a lot of things that people are dying from, uh, like they're being found with COVID and then they're just saying, okay, they've got COVID, they're dying from COVID. Like whether or not they're like stage four cancer and got two weeks to live and whatnot. So I think... I think it's very easy and it's not inconceivable for the government to be inflating numbers to make this seem like a bigger pandemic. Why? I don't really know, um, but I just found that, that, piece of that piece of information pretty interesting about the lung cancer. I thought, mm, that doesn't really make sense, does it? Because it tends to be that the, the, the same amount of people die from flu, the same, like on average, same, sorry, you can have an influx or a... Uh, sorry, an inflation or a deflation of that some years, but on large, on average, on large, like, you know, the X amount of people died per whatever it is, and the numbers don't seem to add up this year. Um, also, the death rates um, haven't necessarily gone up in 2020 versus 2019, like more people haven't necessarily died. Um, 
And now that might be because less people on the road, so there's less collisions, less people are taking drugs because you can't get the drugs. Uh, you know, there's there's no one in the air, there's less pollution. Like, it might be a year that actually, you know, we sure, COVID keeps us inside, but it might save other people from other things. So th th there's so much in that. Like, you already, it's, we've been talking about this like for five minutes on this, and I've said so many different points. There is too many sides to each of the story for your average guy on Instagram to say, let's sign this petition, you know, because ultimately we don't know what's in the best interests of the public at heart. You know, we don't know that if we reintroduce gyms with social distancing and minimum hygiene rules that it might be fine or it might be catastrophic and it might do another peak. We, we're not, we're not, in, we're not informed enough. And I think it's a very, very good debate. Um, but I think if there was an answer to the question of, Josh, do you think that gyms should open right now or do you think they should wait? My answer would be we need to reintroduce gyms effectively, um, bearing in mind that everything that the government has said is true. I'm not one to trust everything the government says. They've lied to us many, many times. There's no reason why they wouldn't lie to us again. But bearing in mind that everything they said is true, we need to bring the gym back um, effectively, efficiently, and with the mindset that we're not we're not going to increase that that spreadability again you know we've done six seven weeks now we can do a couple more weeks if it means we get the gym a little if we get the gym forever again you know rather than getting it back and then having to go back down into quarantine and, and whatever it is right so you know i i do think that uh personally i think that things like fitness health and well-being should come above things like restaurants and, 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 and malls and bowling alleys and things like that because they're not necessarily essential. I consider physical exercise essential. Some people can't physically run. They can't physically go on a bike. They can't physically walk because they're wherever they are. And they need the gym. And I, and I do think that it's a massive, massive psychological output for a lot of people. And I think that bringing it back in sooner rather than later should be in its best interest, but not at detriment to other people's health. Um, I think any I think any reintroduction of anything is going to be uh, at the at the at the I don't say sacrifice, but at the sacrifice of of people's health. Right? I think as soon as we start to bring things back in, I'm sure cases are going to go slightly up again if it's still floating around. Um, but it's just that we can keep control of that rate of gain again. We don't want to just throw the kitchen sink and say, "All right, guys, we can we can uh, we're good. Summer's back. Let's go. Holidays, gym." I don't know whether that's the most uh, that's the most sensible way to do it. I think you've got to be very, very conscious of uh, of those things. So I, I want to move out of COVID now, and I want to talk a little bit about Ramadan. Now I'm going to do a post on I'm probably going to do a post on YouTube rather than Instagram. I'm probably going to do a post on YouTube about this as well. But I know that there's some unique listeners on on the podcast. Um, so we'll give you guys the exclusive because the way I think about it is that most of who's on YouTube is on Instagram who follows me, uh, but not everyone who is on YouTube, Instagram is on the podcast because obviously there's fewer people on the podcast. So it's more like uh, you guys are the hardcore. So I appreciate you guys listening out here. So we're going to talk a bit about Ramadan. So if any of you guys are Muslim or any of you guys have Muslim friends or clients, um, there's some very, very important things that you can consider about um Ramadan, the first being not much needs to change, so it's not that important. <laughs> like, so Ramadan. Those of you guys that don't know that Ramadan is a uh, Muslim tradition where you will fast and your water fast and fast for I think 
20 i think it's like 19 hours a day it's like sunset to sun sunset to sunrise i don't think you can eat or something like that it's, it's a long time out of the day um so they break fast with iftar and then you know so it all backlogs so say it's like 8 p.m that they break their fast you know they've not drunk or had any food from you know 6 a.m 5 a.m till till 8 p.m so pretty much their working day right so it's quite hard to get through those days not drinking seeing people eat and drink is quite difficult um, and actually in dubai it's like it's illegal to drink in the car you can't do anything like that so even if you're not muslim um so the, you guys out there obviously you're going to go to an intermittent fasting type routine where you're only going to have a certain amount of window the first thing that you're going to want to do is drink now we know that with water um gastric emptying is anywhere from like two to five minutes so like within two to five minutes your body is utilizing that that hydration so first thing you do break it with a big big drink of water um you really don't want to gorge you know especially if you're training around where you you know training a little bit later a lot a lot a lot of my clients who are muslim will train later now so as opposed to just training whenever they want they're going to train at like 9 10 p.m and then going to come back at midday midnight eat again and usually Usually people will stay up till two or three eating and drinking and then, you know, they do it all again and things kind of start a little bit later. So for any of you guys out there, first things first, break, break, break your water fast, you know, drink, you know, if you can get some electrolytes in there, um, I'd be very, very happy with that. Um, supplement needs to do a great electrolyte blend and that's going to be some sodium potassium and there's going to be some other things like uh, estrogen that in there that's going to help absorb but mostly the water you know within two to five minutes you're going to be you know getting hydrated um, and then you're going to wait you know 20 30 minutes wait for that to kind of settle make sure you don't bloat yourself with too much water and then you're going to have a nice meal you know small to medium sized i would say anywhere from seven i would say anywhere from six six to eight nine hundred calories depending on what type of food you're choosing um, I know iftar meal generally is a big meal, and but I would urge you to try and stay away from that gorging because you're going to gorge on that food, drink loads of water, be bloated as fuck, and you not want to go train. So instead, break your water fast, have a nice half a liter, some electrolytes, have a good meal, have another half a liter of water. Um, make yourself an intra-workout so you can get some more... Uh, highly balanced condition in there, some, so some more carbs, some more protein in there, um, and then you can hydrate yourself as well while you're training. Then you're going to go train. So let's say if Taz at eight, you know, you've eaten by half eight, quarter to nine, you're going to relax, you're going to go to the gym for half nine, you're going to have a good session until half 11, and then you're going to come back, and then, then you can finish the rest of your calories and you can go in if you want to, you know. But I would definitely, definitely recommend having a smaller meal before just for an energy sake. You're going to be, you know, as soon as you put a large bolus of food into your stomach, body just goes, okay, digestion. It doesn't go, okay, let's go do some squats, you know. So you've got to have sufficient enough time from that meal to your training that's not going to kind of bloat you and put some digestive digestive stress on you um so it very much becomes about the, the the portion control that you've got there so i'd recommend a smaller meal come back have your bigger meal but but the macros don't need to change you know you literally just intermittent fasting shorter eating window um and that's it you literally break your hydration fast eat a small meal, train, have a big meal. If you want to wait again a couple of hours, have another big meal at two or three in the morning, sleep and repeat. And that's literally it. If you're hitting those calories, those macros, it's not going to make a difference to your physique. Um, it, it's not going to make a, whatsoever, whatsoever. Um, it's not really, really going to make a, a big difference. 
otherwise, you know, the, the, the basics still apply. The basics still apply. Count your macros, count your calories, train hard, progressive overload. You're just changing your window. You know, as opposed to being that normal window in the middle of the day, you're just shifting it a little bit later. So I hope that helps if anyone struggling with Ramadan or anything like that. It's not it's not difficult. You just you just carry on as normal. Um, so if someone asked here, I'd love to hear the thought process around grounding that you and Callum do. So grounding is the process of freeing electrons and exchanging electrons with your body and the Mother Earth. Um, usually you don't want any, well, you don't want any electro, electric devices around you. Um, you want to be barefoot on the ground, so the grass, um, anything that's got direct contact with the earth. Um, and you're going to kind of exchange those electrons. There's nothing you're going to feel. Um, you've got no um, concept of it happening. But I genuinely feel the difference every single day that I do this. Um, there's some, been some really, really good information. Uh, infam- it's very, very funny that I said inflammation. There's been some very, very key information that grounding reduces inflammation. Jeez. That was a bar if I've ever heard one. Um, so there's some really good information that actually the re- grounding, freeing those electrons, reduces inflammation, can increase injury recovery, um, and can o- reduce or cause mortality, which is fucking crazy. Standing on the earth barefoot in the sun. Literally, you're like, what are you talking about, Josh? Some woo-woo shit. Google it. Grounding. Grounding study. Um, and you'll see when you exchange these electrons, you free up energy. Uh, it's, it's honestly crazy. It's honestly crazy. Um, another little question here I had was training for health. So this is a good... I, the reason why I wanted to answer this is because training for health is so different than training for bodybuilding. You don't want to be 120 kilos to be healthy it's not good like humans aren't meant to be that big unless you're some kind of six foot five viking and naturally that's where you are like you're largely you're not you're not meant to be this big right so training for health and well-being very much comes about the things that you do in your everyday life and 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 being able to manage to do those so you probably want some basic cardiovascular so that if you if you do need to get out of a sticky situation and run you can run you know, no one wants to feel unfit. You, you want to get around your daily tasks, going up the stairs, you know, changing the beds, whatever it is, without getting out of breath. And, and some of you may laugh, you know, but people do that. People get out of breath changing the bed, and that's probably something you don't want to do. So you want to be cardiovascularly efficient. Um, I would say that you want to be um, anaerobically efficient, which is like explosiveness, because generally, you know, you'd want to be able to jump, you want to be able to move, you want to be able to, you know, side bend and, and, and move, because it feels fucking good to be strong and flexible and fast, um, so you'd look at some more high-intensity stuff, you'd probably look at some some pause pause reps, like squats and benches, and, and probably some rows and stuff for that explosive power, um, flexible, you'd want to be nice and flexible, so you'd be stretching two, three times a week doing yoga or something. Uh, I'm a big believer that, uh, you, you know, um, what's the word? What's the word? When you sit down, close your eyes, meditate. <laughs> I believe that meditation is part of training and actually being, uh, building your mental fortitude, building your mental strength is is just as important for health as as, as physical. Because if you can mentally be fucking strong, I believe it makes you physically strong or stronger. Those people who who go into an this is a random example. People who go into an a, an illness thinking they're gonna die, probably more likely to die versus someone saying ah, it's not gonna fucking beat me. Come on then, 
You know, my dad is the most stubborn bastard you've ever met in your life. He's had two strokes. He's had one heart attack. He's got kidney disease. He's got a spinal injury. He's had everything that I can ever imagine. And he's like, ah, fuck it. Come on then. Bring it on. It hasn't killed me yet. You know what I mean? And that mentality, sure, it's reckless. And you don't live your life by it. But having that in the face of danger, that mental fortitude, I truly believe counts for something. And this is why, for me, bodybuilding is so, so important. Because that mental fortitude that it brings is 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 invaluable. And I think, you know, my dad went to the was in the army. So I think things like the army, things where you're structured, you learn how to work hard like a motherfucker. You learn how to work with your bare hands. You learn how to just do things where you think, I need to give up now. But then you keep going and you think, I want to stop now. And you think, nah, I'm still going to keep going, you know. And I can't count on my on my hands or I can't count how many times this happened in, in, in a prep, in bodybuilding. I thought, I can't do it. Yes, I can, you know. And that mental fortitude of saying, yes, I can, makes such a big difference. So we've got mental fortitude. We've got aerobic capacity, anaerobic capacity. We've got flexibility. Um, you definitely want to have some muscle mass because muscle wastage is probably one of the leading causes of, of just deterioration in, in body. So you want to have some muscle mass. So you want to bodybuild a bit. You want to elicit some hypertrophy, you know, but you want to do that with consciousness to your joints and your ligaments. So maybe you throw in some occlusion training because we know that blood flow restriction training, BFR training can actually massively reduce the impact on joints, ligaments, tendons, and, and that whole area, but still elicit that same hypertrophy response. So you might be doing a lot more of that stuff. And actually, if you're old, the older you get, the more of the stuff that you can do uh, because it reduces that, that tension and that load that you have to put through the joint, um, through the muscle, but you still get that same hypertrophic stimulus. So probably some more. Uh, so you've got to focus on the muscle building aspect as well. Um, and then just, you know, anything else, like the, the rest of it comes with 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 um, food, diet, lifestyle. Um, if any of you guys are like interested in on, on on stuff about like living the longest time you can or being the healthiest motherfucker on the planet, I've actually got a podcast on it, um, and it's I think it's I literally named it "How to Live Longer." Um, so you can type in Josh Bridgman "How to Live Longer" and it, and it should it should come it should come. Um, I'm just going to graze through some other smaller questions now, uh, just so we can get a little bit more in. I'm just going to take it to 30 minutes today and then and not go too crazy. So how do you tackle uh, how do you tackle or target weaker aspects of your physique? So, in short, you're directing a little bit more intent towards that muscle, um, but ultimately we're we're imperfect in terms of symmetry to a certain extent. There are people who are very very symmetrical, but largely like ninety percent of people are very very asymmetrical they're not even they have imbalances it's normal to have an imbalances like you you know one of you is left-handed one of you is right-handed you're going to have an imbalance in one of those arms maybe in the shoulder maybe you play tennis or you're like like you're going to have those imbalances so for one when people say how do i tackle my my weaknesses or my or my imbalances for one it's probably genetic um but for two um things like the priority principle so prioritize things that you want to grow first so you're going to have the most available energy at the start of the workout so if you want to load up that upper chest you've got to load the upper chest when you're fresh there's no point just saying i want to grow my upper chest i'm going to throw it on the end of every workout when i've got zero energy to perform and i can't generate any muscular tension so the priority principle definitely works um, or definitely should be considered i should say uh, and then just progressive overload, dude. Like, there's no magic trick to make one muscle grow quicker than the other. It may just be that your arms don't grow very much. It may just be that your back doesn't grow very much. It may be that your chest grows off nothing. You've just got to find that balance and find where your 
your growth position is because you know one thing I know is that my back can take a lot of volume my chest doesn't need a lot of volume my arms can take a lot of volume you know so there's loads of different things that can take well there's different aspects of my physique that can take different amounts of volume and progression so I would urge you to prioritize what you want to grow and then um, focus on the things that are going to help grow it the ones that you connect to the most the ones that you you know and then and then align your volume with it as well I think that's really really important next question is going to be um, which amount of fiber do you recommend in an off season so for fiber I would recommend 10 grams per thousand so literally 4040 grams and make sure you're getting all that fiber from you know green fibrous vegetables lots of different textures different things like that um, and yeah um, thoughts. So I get a lot of questions about this all the time. Thoughts on Psalms, MK sixty six seven seven growth hormone simulators. Like I don't know about these things at all. I don't. I don't know enough about Psalms to be able to prescribe them, to be able to give advice on them, um, or anything like that. Really. So I just stay away from it. Just stay away from it, um, and I just stick to the things that I've been well, well researched in, in, in life, which is testosterone and steroids. <laughs> Um, but that's not to say that they don't work. I would just recommend doing your due diligence on research and uh, like Psalms are very much touted as like these things that you that are like steroids but don't give you the side effects and don't get me wrong, they may not give you the same, but if they're having any impact on your testosterone, they're gonna be suppressing it. So you've got to be very, very conscious of of what you're putting in your body and it's not just something to play with and, and to you know, it's not a rec it's not a recreational drug because it can have implications down the line. For me a recreational drug is something that's for that day, week, whatever it is, you know, but not for like not when you're taking a psalm cycle that may potentially affect you for life. May potentially. May not obviously. Uh, I'm actually gonna leave it there guys. A nice little short one guys. Might do a few shorter ones coming up, but I hope you guys enjoyed this. We'll be back very, very soon. I hope you've enjoyed your walk, your cardio or wherever you are. Goodbye.